sisters, listen closely. Finding out he's the one can sometimes feel like traveling through a desert of uncertainty. I mean, every time you feel like you've reached an oasis, it ends up being a mirage. As your resident sister and friend, here are five common red flags that you need to steer clear away from. First up, if he's asking for your phone number straight off the bat, but not your dad's, well, that's a major red flag waving in your face. Next, if he's hitting you up with texts and calls late at night, you better believe he's not serious and chances are he won't respect your boundaries. Watch out for those put down disguised as sarcastic banters. You know, the ones that make you the butt of the joke. It's time to show him the door. And oh, if he's more interested in hearing himself talk than listening to what you have to say, girl, that's a sign you need to run in the opposite direction. And let's not forget the classic line, my ex was crazy. Yeah, right. If he's mouth-mouthing his ex left and right, chances are he's the one with the issues. And those are just the obvious red flags. Let's help you uncover what's really hiding underneath the surface with Vibe Check, the ultimate prompt card game for meaningful connections. Crafted with deep respect for Islamic traditions, Vitech goes beyond the surface, allowing you to discover the essence of your potential life partner's faith, character, and aspirations. With eight thoughtfully crafted categories and 135 thought-provoking questions, Vitech ensures a comprehensive understanding of your potential spouse, from values and ambitions to personal quirks and preferences. I mean, skip the surface-level discussions and dive straight into what truly matters. Visit our website, www.thedigitalstory.com now and take the first step towards finding your righteous partner. Your journey to marital bliss begins here. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It is your girl, Adar. And if you already don't know, if you don't know, you're listening to the Digital Sisterhood Podcast. So this, you know, we're going to keep this love timber vibe going, okay? We've had brothers um, uh, on the podcast playing vibe check. We've had sisters on the podcast playing vibe check. By the way, the sisters, the brothers, everyone so far, even Asma, mashallah, have been killing it. And I'm I'm excited to explore more love stories. Like that's just where I'm at. I need to hear that cozy, warm, fuzzy feeling that you know real love, good love stories tell you know not tell you but give you. And so we're gonna continue this love timber with a fantastic story about love. So <laughs> welcome to my podcast. Okay, Thank you. I'm super excited to have you. I heard your story, a little bit about it. Not too much. Mm-hmm. I've heard a synopsis about it. I'm super excited to hear about it more. Um, but first, before that, I'd like to know, like, who are you? Oh, wow. Um, that's interesting, because when people ask me that, I say I'm I'm a ghost. I'm Casper. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm just a regular, regular girl from Toronto, mm-hmm. you know? The that's six. Pretty much, just you know? trying to... I don't know. My motto is always like clear skin and happiness. So mm. I'll say that's me. Like I'm the second youngest in my family. So I have two older brothers. 
So it was really interesting, like, growing up with your... Because my oldest brother's only two years older than me. Well, not my oldest, sorry. My second oldest brother's only two years older than me. And then my oldest brother is seven years older than me. So mm-hmm. I'm closer to my second older brother. And I had to go to school with him. And it was a whole dynamic right there because it's like, oh, that you're so-and-so sister. I'm not talking to you. Mm-hmm. Everybody in my family is known. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're, like, in the community and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. I've always been, like, just walking to the beat of my own drum. Mm. I, you know, I don't have, like, the traditional friends that everybody else in the community has. Mm. So, yeah, like, my personality is is laid back now. Super laid back. I'm not the loudest in the room. I don't like to be the center of attention. That's why I'm doing a podcast now. Um, (laughs) Today, you're a main character. (laughs) Today, I'm a main character. (laughs) Definitely a main character in my life. Yeah, love that. Took me some time to get there, just like my love story. Yeah. Oh, oh. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to tease it, but. Every time I hear the word love, I just get (laughs) excited. So Lima wasn't your ordinary Somali girl, okay? She was into rock Avril Lavigne, Fifi Dobson. For those who remember Fifi Dobson, she was like a black woman, but she was also a rocker. So trendy back then. While people her age were maybe into baby fat, you know, apple bottom jeans. Um, And because Lima was different, people didn't celebrate that difference. In In actuality, like, Lima really struggled in school being who she is, being different, being so expressive, and being unapologetic. The funny thing is, is like, till the now, I don't even look at it like it's bullying. Mm. But it basically is, though. It is. Right? Um, In high school, same thing happened. And I was just like, I'm like, what is... And I, my best friend that I, like, grew up with, who was also Somali, like, we went to Duxie together. Mm-hmm. Like, she's still, like, my very best friend till now. Um... I would tell her about it, but me and her were like the aliens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> we just ended up being aliens. So yeah. it's like, okay. So then I just, you know what? I was like, if people think I'm that different, I like leaned into it. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to wear like, I'm going to, if you think I want to be a Jedebi so bad, I'm going to dress a Jedebi. <laughs> I would dye my hair all different colors. And I actually did that. You were really that Somali girl. You know, the one that was, like, doing different things, you know? Pretty much. You different. Pretty much. (laughs) So Lima had her first crush, like we all do at that age, with this guy who actually liked her for all of her difference. Loved her for her Avril Lavigne, you know, hair and look and, you know, makeup. And she finally felt like, okay, yes, somebody likes me who he is. I, I always knew I was bomb, you know? And... Things took quickly a left turn when Lima and her crush had an argument and that argument escalated and um, it ended up with him basically telling her that all of the things he said he liked about her, all of the difference wasn't true. In reality, he didn't like it and he, he called her a weirdo and that really devastated Lima, especially at that age where, you know, you're looking you know, for self-acceptance and self-love and you're trying to explore identity and who and what you are um, and to have somebody just call out the one thing that you don't want somebody that you have a crush on that you like say that to you. It really affected her so much so that she ended up changing schools. 
She said, I'm done. I can't stay here. I don't want to stay at a school where people dislike me and who write about me in bathroom walls. And I'm out of here. I'm gone. I'm going to start over. The thing is, is like one thing I said about about me, my best friend is like, at the end of the day, like we really loved ourselves. Like we thought we were like the bee's knees, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing. Like when people don't recognize self-love mm-hmm. and it's a stranger to them or it's like something foreign, mm-hmm. I feel like they naturally attack it. Like, oh, you're arrogant. Mm. Oh, you're you're this, you're that. Just because they don't recognize what self-love looks like. Mm. And it's like, to me, it's like, I could be like, in high school, uh, high school and middle school, I was always like, I could be 300 pounds, I could be 120 pounds, but guess what? Mm. I am beautiful. Period. You know? And one thing, one thing I, my mom actually said this to me. She said, no matter what you look like, mm-hmm. like those things don't matter. It's yeah. your character. But remember, there's always somebody for somebody, if that makes sense. Wow. Absolutely. You know, and I love that, you know? Yeah. Like, I love that because it's sometimes you, when you're going through like a journey of self-love, let's say you're at the beginning of your journey where you don't really love yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't think that there is somebody for you, right? Because mm-hmm. you, you, you can't even be there that somebody for yourself. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you can't love your, it's hard to love you. And so you can't imagine someone loving you. Um, and it's obviously it's multi-layered, right? Yeah. Being you know black, being Muslim, you know, lack of representation on, on, of That's us in a, a beautiful thing. in a beautiful way, you know, mm-hmm. and just seeing white women and then trying to meet those standards, which is impossible. It's impossible. Yep. But um, and and then that feeling of like, okay, I'm never gonna get there. So thus equals <laughs> you ain't cute. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I With, was, it yeah. was like for me I feel like and it's it's crazy that we're talking about this because now that I'm revisiting it mm-hmm. I was like I just didn't recognize all of these things before yeah yeah I was like I got something new for my therapist <laughs> <laughs> I have more material now <laughs> for the both of them <laughs> I love that so you go to therapy right oh yes oh my god 100% Lima at 17 was not into boys. I mean, after the experience she had with her first crush, she was probably over it. And so Lima carried herself in that fashion. She's like, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm not looking for all of that. Um, I'm sufficient. I'm I'm happy where I am and and I'm cool with that. But things changed for Lima that day when she got off the bus. I was coming back from work. I I got off the bus. Mm-hmm. Um and usually when guys used to talk to me on the street, I used to ignore it. Because mm-hmm. I was just like, I need to know you somehow. Somebody <laughs> of somebody, somebody's cousin, sister, stepbrother, cousin, whoever. Like, somebody needs to know you yeah. just in case you're a serial killer. Period. Because my brain is not, my yeah. brain is very irrational. <laughs> and nobody is interested in being on the 6 o'clock news, period. Nope. Who is trying to find, no, there's no way. No, my mom's favorite line is like, keep doing what you're doing. Bat mazala gahela. That's one thing she always told me. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Not the bat please. Literally, bat visualize it. In English, bat means the black bag. Her mom basically said, keep doing what you're doing. I forgot I said it in Somali. Yeah, yeah. Keep, what is it? Keep doing what you're doing. doing you're going to end up in a black garbage bag. <laughs> and she used to say the bottom of Lake Ontario. I was like, Duh. I was like, 
The Lake Ontario. Somali women coming for the description. First of all, for me, the description <laughs> yes. and the location. They will let you know exactly what's going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. So you got off the bus at 17. So I got off the bus at 17. I remember I was working a market research uh, company doing surveys. Oh, God. Oh, my God. The, the trauma. I'm already triggered. It's like it's like the Toronto, like, like employment story. <laughs> swear to God. <laughs> so I got off the bus. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go get myself pizza, whatever. So then I'm walking home, and then I see this tall tall black man mm-hmm. and a short black man okay <laughs> the short one's gonna be important okay. <laughs> uh, so he's like hey beautiful and I to me I didn't even turn around I was just like yeah I know and I kept walking oh, he's like, like, yeah I know yeah I know and I kept walking because I was just like oh whatever you know it's just yeah. like I work downtown so you could only imagine the amount of people that just you know mm-hmm. say all types of crazy things mm-hmm. And then his friend goes, hey, excuse me, my friend is trying to talk to you. So I'm like, oh, he was really nice. He said, hey, excuse me, my friend's trying to talk to you. So I turned around. I was like, wow, he is handsome. Oh, so that's when you you were like, what? I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm like. I wear glasses, so you can imagine <laughs> how blind I am. Okay. So when you got off, you didn't notice. I didn't. Know, I didn't even. When I tell you, I did not look at men when I used to walk by them because I used yeah. to think that I was hot, hot sauce, hot sauce, hot tamale. I was gonna say hot tamale, but like yeah. I don't know the word. These days, I'm too old. <laughs> <laughs> so, I literally was like, yeah, I know, and I kept walking because I'm just like, who are you? <laughs> just walking. I was on a mission. Okay, first of all, I'm hungry. Like I got off of this job that I hate, mm-hmm. and now you want to bother me? Like, ah, leave me alone. I'm gonna keep walking. So I turn around, I see him, and I'm like, oh wow, he's really handsome. He was he was tall. I don't even know who to compare him to, but he was really good looking. Yeah. And I'm like, and he had like caramel skin, mm-hmm. and like he had like broad shoulders. So I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So. I don't remember the conversation, but I just remember me not giving him my number because I'm not going to give you my phone number. I'm still not trying to be on 6 o'clock news. Exactly. So I was like, I'll take your number. So I went home and then I talked to I talked to my friend at the time. She was a really close friend at the time and she lived very close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, hey, I met I met this guy, you know, and he's like really good looking and I'm and for me, I'm the type of I was the type of person where I didn't really care about like dating social cues. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you're supposed to wait three days so you message somebody, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. No, I'm like, if I like you, I'm gonna or if I'm interested, I'm I'm straight to the point. I'm very direct. Mm-hmm. Right? So I was like, so I was telling her, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know anything about him, you know. Mm-hmm. Also, not Somali. <laughs> so you were thinking, mm. I was a, I was a thinking. So here's the thing, I never envisioned myself being married. That was something I did not want parts in. I never wanted kids. I was like, I I don't I just don't I want a life partner, right? Like so I, I I'm like, but I just didn't. I'm like, nah, I'm a I'm a chill with my twenty cats. <laughs> I just wasn't interested. You were interested in being a cat lady. I was dedicated. <laughs> Like, you know the cat lady on Simpsons? Yeah. I was going to throw cats at people. Because you know how neighbors be. I was going to live with my mom, and we are going to be like, 
you know happily ever after happily ever after like i'm happy yeah. you know because i was happy yeah i'm like i don't want like drama or like you know yeah involved like no thank you does that come from somewhere is there a reason why you didn't want the white picket fence the husband and the children it just comes it really comes back to me just being different mm. i just feel like my mom has never pressured me to get married mm-hmm so she's never said like, "Hey, your eggs are drying up. Find somebody." She's mm-hmm. never done that. Mm-hmm. She she's just like, "Listen, get your education. Boys will always be there." You know, it's, she would check in, do a temperature check. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just I was I feel like I was prepared for men differently, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Where I didn't look at them as the end all be all. Because mm-hmm. I see my mom. She's she's a single mom. She's you know she's done a lot on her own, and. You know, to me, it was like, if she could do it, I could do it. Like, why, mm-hmm. why do I, why do I, why do I need a man? But it just came from lack of knowledge. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's just like for me, it's just like I was like, no, I'm just gonna do my own thing. I like the way that I'm living my life. Like, I just don't see a man being incorporated in that or children being incorporated in that, right? Because I was like, I'm gonna be a career woman. I'm gonna have my cats. I'm gonna throw <laughs> them at people, and that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, that was the plan. That was my plan. You know? So what changed it? Him. Mm. So me and him started talking. And we started dating. And then he would ask me, like, at the beginning of dating. Because I'm like, I don't know these cues, certain cues I don't understand when it comes to dating. But he was, because he wasn't Somali, it was like, oh, how come I can't meet your mom? Why can't I, keep, why can't I meet your mom? And I'm just like, sir, nobody meets my mom. Like, what? Like, meeting my mom. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Because it's like the only time I've seen people meet my mom is when my older brother introduced his uh, his wife to mm-hmm. my mom. So in my head, I'm like, yeah, you introduce people when you're ready to like have an account, get married, you know, mm-hmm. go on your life, like go on with your life or, mm-hmm. or whatever. So he's like, I want to meet your mom. I want to meet your mom. I want to meet your mom. So I'm like, no, you're not meeting my mom because it's like you have to like you marry my mom after you're engaged to me. Mm-hmm. So me and him never talked about marriage, mind you. Like, he knew my stance on it. It's like, like just to let you know, um, I don't want to get married. This is not something I see for myself. And I don't want to have kids. So I'm like, if you want to be my friend, you can be my friend. That's mm-hmm, fine. Mm-hmm. But we ended up dating just because it's just, you know, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I was like, whatever. I'll just, I'll, I'll go out with you from time to time. Why not? You know? So Lima and let's call him Brooklyn, just so that we have, you know, a tally here. Lima and Brooklyn were dating for a while, but then they broke up. And in the time they broke up, Brooklyn became Muslim. And so he called back Lima and he's like, hey, listen, I know we broke up. I know that things aren't right with us, but I want to let you know that I want us to get back together. And that I've become Muslim. And so Lima's thinking to herself, okay, wow, this is a lot. But he's trying. Like, you know, he became Muslim. Maybe there's something here for me. You know, maybe this is something special. Then Brooklyn makes the grand proclamation, the grand event. He decides that he's going to get a ring and finally propose to Lima uh he had like a, a something set up 
and I'm like, I'm like, I see like rose petals and all that stuff. I'm just like, what's going on? Because my birthday is really not that important, mm-hmm. you know. So I walk in and I'm like, automatically I'm like, okay, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Because I remember my good friend telling me, oh, make sure you wear white. I'm like, what's an unforgiving color? I'm not wearing white, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I see him, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? And I'm, <laughs> I, 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 I'm being so dead serious. When I tell you my brain froze, I'm looking at him. He's on his, he's on like one knee. Oh, wow. And I literally say, hey, what's going on? (laughs) Mind you, I can't see if there's anybody else there because it's really dark. Yeah. I'm like, what's what's going on right now? I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? He's like, he said a bunch of things. I don't remember what he said. He was really nervous. (laughs) Yeah. And then... He was like, would you marry me? And in my head, I'm like, we never talked about this. (laughs) So when he asked me that, I saw people coming out. I said, oh, my God. (laughs) Mind you, I remember saying at the earlier, uh, earlier, I don't like to be the center of attention. Yeah. Ooh, child, the ghetto. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I didn't give him an answer. What? I stood there frozen. You didn't say nothing? I didn't say anything. And he's like sweating. I he's sitting there and he's looking at me. I'm like, are you serious? Like finally, like I swear, it felt like five minutes. Yeah. That I did not say anything. I was just looking at him like, like I'm like, am I have I entered the twilight zone? <laughs> it was like an outer body experience. I'm watching myself. Yeah. Not say like, anything. Oh my god. Mind you, none of my family is there, and I'm just like, it's just my friends. Yeah. And my weirdo's not there. And your weirdo's not there. She would have drove me. She would have been like, uh-uh, we ain't doing this. And, <laughs> and she would have like been like. She would have turned the lights on. Okay, she everybody go home. Everybody go home. No, we're not doing this. <laughs> so then he's like, so then I, so once I break my silence, I'm like, are you serious? No. I, I didn't give him an answer. No. I said, are you serious? That's all I kept saying. Are you joking? Are you joking? Okay. This is a very recurring theme in my life. <laughs> the, 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 are you serious? Is it like when it comes to proposal, I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was thrown off guard and I was, I didn't say anything. I just took the ring. You just put it on. I just put it on. I didn't even say yes. I did not say yes. I just was like frozen. And then I see like his friends are there. My friends are there. You know, his cousins are there. And I'm like, oh Lord, you go embarrass this man, aren't you? Oh, my God. It's about to be this again. I just took the ring and I sat down. I assumed he took that as a guess. Yeah. The ring didn't fit me. Shade. Oh, Uh. no. Oh, no. (laughs) No shade. Mind you, at this time in my life, I wasn't... You weren't practicing. I wasn't practicing. This all happened when you weren't, like... While I wasn't practicing. Yeah. So this was just, like... And we all had that era, okay? (laughs) And in that era, you got engaged. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And And I was just, like... I remember when I went home, it took me, it took me, I don't even know when I told my mom, mm-hmm. but I, but I told my mom eventually. But when I got home that night, I said, I said, God, I don't know if you have a plan for me. I don't know if I have a purpose in this. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I said, but if you have a plan for me, just, you know, let me know. So Brooklyn started to lay on the Islamic tropes thick. He says to her, listen, although we're engaged, 
we have to make this halal. We can't be doing this back and forth. We can't do a long engagement because it's not permissible in Islam. And so Lima, obviously, the girl that she is wanting to do the right thing, kind of agrees, says, okay, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I don't want to keep talking to you and not making it halal. And so Lima says, yes. When I tell you, I didn't even get dressed for my nikah. What? Nope. I wear pajamas all day. My weirdo came back. Okay. <laughs> what did she have to say about it? She warned me. She did? She did. About what? She said, do not marry him. Why? There's something that everybody saw that I didn't see. The night of my engagement, I said, Allah, if you have a purpose for me, if you have a plan for me. And I was like, like, just, I was like, please. I was begging at that point. Because something in my in my heart just didn't sit right. Yeah, you had that feeling. This I, wasn't right. When I say doubt is your best friend, mm. doubt is your best friend. Let me tell you, women have a sixth sense. Mm-hmm. We know when something ain't right. Yep. And nine out of ten times, we're 100% right. You know, and I, I honestly believe in Muhammad. I think that's a gift from Allah. Yes. I think that's a gift from Allah. And um, and I think the world, if you notice, how they dismantle women mm-hmm. is by making them question, question themselves instead of believing in themselves. Yep. Because as soon as a woman starts believing in herself and believing what she feels, it's a wrap. Mm-hmm. The game's up. You know, yeah. But that's the world is about doubt, making women doubt themselves. That's why I always tell everybody: doubt is your best friend. Listen. So, I introduced him to my brother. He looked at me. He said, "He said my name." <laughs> he said, "No. Don't do this." He said, "Don't do this. Don't do this." There's something about him. No, don't do this. But in my head, what I have stuck in my head is I have to make this halal. So mm. it's right under God's eyes. Yeah. So I was like, I was, I felt like I was in, is the right word indoctrinated? It's a big word. Yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to use that. <laughs> I just feel like that's, that's what I kept having in my head because he kept saying it. Mm-hmm. So it kept going on in my head. Mm-hmm. Right? My brother was like, no. Day before my nikah, my cousin took me out to dinner. She told me, don't do this. Three people, three, four, we're going to count my alien. Yeah. Four people. I don't think she's going to appreciate me calling her my alien. <laughs> <laughs> so fast forward to the day of my nikah. I didn't get dressed. Because I was just like, oh, you know, it's just a nikah, whatever. And then, you know, go on my merry way. Hmm. I didn't want a wedding because I was like, I don't want to... Center of attention again. I don't want to be the center of attention, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm like, so I'm sitting, and, and then it can happen at our our, our townhouse. Mm-hmm. So I was like, so I, I was upstairs, I was, you know, s- sitting with my grandma, mm-hmm. you know, and then my best friend comes. Mm-hmm. And she's like, my car is parked outside. Are you ready to go? Let's let's run for it. If you're gonna run for it, 
do it now. She's my person. Shout out to that friend, bro. No, she's that. she's literally. We watch one thing. One thing about us, we love Grey's Anatomy. Yes, and we always say like she's literally my person. Oh, like you always we, need a friend that's that's just gonna say to you, look dead in your eye and say, "I got the getaway she, car." When I say she has my back, it does not matter. Mm-hmm. It does not matter. She has me. Right. And one thing I always tell people is when I look at when I look at the when I look at soulmate, mm-hmm. I don't look at it as like a partner thing yeah, or a romantic one you mean. or a romantic one. No, I don't look at it like that. Your your sister could be your soulmate. Your best friend could be your soulmate. She is definitely like my soulmate. Like that's Aww. it. Like Allah has, has designed us to be friends forever. <laughs> be the <laughs> golden girls. <laughs> you know, love it like that. Me and her will like no matter what rest of our lives that's it yeah i tell her no it's okay like you know i feel like i'm doing this for the right reasons i want to i want it to be halal like you know this is for god this is for god is what i was telling myself right that's how i made it that's how i i kind of silenced the doubt mm-hmm. okay so the nikah happens my mom's looking at me like you're not a regular bride like you don't want elan you don't want to put on like i had a white guntino Mm-hmm. That she wanted to rap for me, mm-hmm. didn't want to put it on. I said, eh, "It's not a big deal. I just want coffee. That's all I want. I just want a coffee." Wow. Yeah. I, just, I didn't. To me, it's like it's not about the nikah. It's not about the wedding. It's about the marriage. Yeah. And starting to build that foundation. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're focusing on that. So I was like, if I'm gonna do this, I'm never doing this again. Yeah. Right. And I told him that. I said, if we're gonna do this. I don't want to ever do this again. Lima's wedding night did not go as planned. And when I tell you it did not go as planned, I mean it went completely left. Absolutely left. Um, It wasn't the wedding and the wedding night that she dreamed of. It wasn't it. It it actually, actually became a nightmare. On the night of her wedding night, instead of, you know, being with your newly husband they fought instead i i don't know exactly what the fight is i called my mom mm-hmm. and i went and my mom and my first cousin who's like my big sister came to came to the bottom of my building and i sat in the car and i said i don't want to be married to him wow and it's not even 24 hours not it was probably like yeah not even 24 hours and this is a time where Kim Kardashian had her 72-day, you know, wedding oh, thing. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot So I'm like, I'm going to be the Somali Kim Kardashian. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh I made my. a mistake. Oh, no. I was legit, like. Oh, no. I was, like, I was talking to my mom. I was saying, oh, my God. Like, I made the biggest mistake in the whole wide world. <laughs> I don't want to do this. Yeah. I'm going to be, like, you know, in my head, I was like, oh, my God. I'm going to be the laughing stock of the community. Like, like Kim Kardashian beat me. But that's what I was saying, right? And then they calmed me down, you know, they they talked to me. My mom gave me some advice. I wish I remember what what like that night is a blur because I don't remember what we fought about. I just remember them making me feel okay. Mm-hmm. Enough to go back upstairs. Mm-hmm. The first year of our marriage was hell on earth. It was hell on earth. Like, it was emotionally draining, Mm -hmm. physically draining. Because I was working a job where 
I work 12 hours. Okay. So before I married him, he was acting, right? So He was an actor? He was an actor, yeah. Oh, I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> acting? Yeah, he was an yeah. actor. He's, I'm not going to say what he's been on, but yeah. he's been on popular Toronto TV shows. Oh, wow. Mashallah. Yeah. Okay. So, so when we got married, I actually was working a really good job. And he was going to go back to school because the acting roles just kind of dried up. I don't know what was going on, but I found myself paying for the full rent. Mm. I paid first and last, Mm -hmm. and I was paying the full amount. And I'm like, okay, this is a partnership now, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I'm saying to myself, I should support my husband, Mm -hmm. right? Mm Mm-hmm. I support my husband, you know, if he's going to go back to school, I'll let him go to school and I'll work. Mm-hmm. So I'll be the one that, you know, pays the bills. Mm-hmm. So that's what we agreed upon. But because I'm going to be working, you can't expect for me to come from a 12-hour shift and have food on the table mm-hmm. because I'm drained, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, and he would have come home way earlier than me. So I was like, you know... If the least you could do is, Aki, is go in the kitchen. Girl. That's the least he could do. Not one meal was cooked for me. Oh, my God. Not one meal. Not only is Brooklyn not cooking dinner or helping around the house, but Brooklyn also isn't going to school. You heard it here, folks. Brooklyn was not going to school. So I'm not seeing books. I'm not seeing him studying. He's telling me he goes to the. Li- he's telling me he's going to the library to study, and this guy would be late picking me up from work. So I'm like, I started to have like a, a intuition. I'm like, like I'm like, there's like it's just not making sense, mind you. A lot of the times, he would leave like our marital home and stay at his mom's house. And I would always get upset because I'm like, why are you going to leave me? I'm a female. I'm by myself. He's like, oh, you have your cat. Don't worry. I'm a cat owner. Oh, God. (laughs) So he's like, you have your cat. You're like, you have your cat, blah, blah. Like, you'll be fine. And I'm just thinking, like, what husband would allow their wife to be home alone overnight? Right. And just to stay at their mom's house. So it's just like little things that started adding up. Right. Mm -hmm. So. I'm, like, talking to his friend, whatever. We're having, like, a, a conversation. And I'm, like, let me do some, like, let me let me be incognito about this, you know? <laughs> so I'm, I'm, like, asking him questions because because he was in the same program. Yes. Right? The program that he said he went, he was. He was he going was to. Going to. So I said, hey, like, you know, I'm, like, did you give Brooklyn any, you know, did you give him any books? Like, you know, like, because books are expensive. So this is how I started the conversation. He's like, no, I didn't. Like, he was just with me the other day. You know, we we're just kicking, kicking up and, you know, doing things he wasn't supposed to do. I said, so he doesn't go to such and such school. He's like, no, you thought he went to that school? I said, yeah. Nah. This whole time this guy was chilling with his friends, smoking weed. Oh, my. And drinking. Oh my god! Oh my god! At this point, I'm the world's dumbest wife. No, you're not. You're not <laughs> no, dumb. No, I'm. I'm just like at that point. That's what I felt like. I'm mm-hmm. like, how did I not 
like I knew something was off but like you're working 12 hours you literally are stuck in that routine right you Mm. come home you have like literally one hour to like do whatever Mm because I used to work 8 to 8 or 9 to Mm 9 you come home at 9 you gotta be up 9 the next day you gotta go to bed right away right so I would literally watch like one one true crime story that's it like go to bed Mm -hmm. you know so he had the leeway of having all of these hours in the day so in my head I'm like okay this marriage isn't working it really isn't working but at the same time, I was remembering God doesn't like divorces, you know? Mm-hmm. So I talked to him. I'm like, I tell him, I found out. He's like, oh, I didn't know how to tell you. Like, I didn't want you to think less of me. I'm like, less of you? Oh, my goodness. Like, this whole time, you could have been an acting member in this marriage of bringing a paycheck to this home. You know, at that at that point, like to me, I was just like it was it was I was out of love with him at that point. Like, I I don't even know if I truly did love him. Mm -hmm. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I think I just was like, love will come. Love will come. That's what I kept telling myself. The idea of what I thought love was, I realized I don't have that for him. But I also don't want to divorce him because I don't want to be a failure. I don't want to be a failure. And I said, you know what? We're going to go get some counseling. Not therapy, but like, you know, like with an imam or something. Definitely can't go to the <laughs> messages that I know. <laughs> no, you can't. I got to go downtown. <laughs> you definitely have to go to a different mall. You know? <laughs> yeah. And he promised me, he's like, okay. He promised me he would stop doing the things that I didn't agree with. The the drinking was a huge thing. And then the smoking was smoking weed was a huge thing. Whew. Year two in you, this marriage. Wow, okay. Girl, I'm still in it. Okay. Wow. When you think things couldn't get worse, it got worse. Lima found out that Brooklyn actually was not paying the rent. And that they were on the verge of eviction. Because I would be at work, he would be the one paying the rent, right? So he, I would leave the money there, right? I would mm-hmm. leave. So we had like a drawer, you know? Mm-hmm. So I put the put the money there, put the card in there, you know? And he would have to like go downstairs to the office and pay the rent or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes I'll just put extra cash in there or like, you know, my wallet. Mm-hmm. You're at home, you're with your husband, you're not thinking too much, right? I mean, you shouldn't, he's your husband. Somebody should have told me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, the relationship I had with my landlord, and she was giving me good rent too, for a very, for like an 800 square feet, one bedroom apartment, only paying 750 back then. I was, I was like, this is amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. But at that point, now my mom started getting involved because it's my mom's favor that she did for me to get that apartment, right? And she's saying, what's wrong? Like, you work. Why can't you pay this bill? Why can't you pay your rent? What's going on? This episode is paused for a minute to remind you guys that Vibe Check is out, okay? 
I know the story. The story is getting juicy, and you're trying to hear more. But I do have to remind you that Vicek is out. It is up for pre-order. If you're thinking about buying Vicek, now is your time. You just have to go to our Instagram page, link in bio. Um, it's on our website at www.kickstarter.com slash the vibe check uh, game just go ahead guys it's love temper support your your favorite platform your favorite podcast um and yeah i can't wait to 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 get these products out to you guys inshallah so without any further ado i know you heard too much about me let's continue with the story so how shocked were you, you were like no i said i've been paying it what are you talking about like i i literally was like i said brooklyn has been paying it what are you talking about she said, no, you need to get out of this lady's house because at this point, you you literally cannot, like, she she doesn't trust you guys. Wow. Mind you, we're young, so she was sticking in her head, why am I going to go to uh, rent to these young people, right? Now me and my cat are displaced. <laughs> Sorry, I love my cat. I love, he, he passed away, but, like, I was, <laughs> I was my baby. Your three didn't last that long. It wasn't even, I, we didn't even get to year three, to be honest. I, I think we were married for two and a half years. Mm. So at this point, he lives at his mother's house. I live at my mom's house, the embarrassment. And every time me and him would get into our argument, he would always say, I'm going to divorce you. So I remember before that, I said, if you say you're going to divorce me one more time, I am done. I am done. So... Get back from my cousin's house this is the day before my birthday. This guy comes to my house and says, We got into our argument. He said, I'm divorcing you. Last strike, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm divorcing you. I don't want to be with you. You know, whatever, whatever. He tells me, I only became Muslim because of you. No. Yup. When I say I was like, Mind you, I wasn't even included in that process, okay? This is mm-hmm. something he decided when we broke up, you know. So when he says that to me, I'm like, okay. I guess this is God. I, I, look, I come back to God when he says it. If you have a plan for me, if there's a purpose for this relationship, just, you know, let me know. And he let you know. Oh, he let me know right then and there. As soon as those words left his mouth... I was like, yeah, it's over. So he, and he's like, I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to talk to your mom. Like, I'm going to tell her how horrible of a wife you are. All of these things. I said, go ahead. (laughs) My mom's in the mafia. Go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead. You know, I was done. This is, this from this day, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm divorced. I get out of the room. I'm sitting with my mom. I'm telling my mom, Mom, I'm done. She said, if you're done, I support you. You know? Are you sure you don't want to work it out? I said, no, I'm done. I'm done. It's me, my cat, that's it. That's all I have. I knew marriage wasn't meant for me. I knew it wasn't made for me. It's just, you know, that's it. I give up. (laughs) I give up. I said, I give up. I don't care about people. You know, I don't care if if I look like a failure. Guess what? I am a failure. Because I just made bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, you know? And I'm just like, I was sitting there with my mom thinking, how did I get here? How did I get here while I allowed this behavior? 
because I prided myself in having self-esteem, right? I prided myself my whole entire life that I love myself. I'm this beautiful weirdo. How did I get here? I'm educated. I'm smart. I've seen bad relationships. I've seen bad marriage, you know? Why was I blinded, right? So my cousin calls me into the room. He's still in the room crying, talking to my cousin, saying, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to divorce her. I said out of anger, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you left the religion. There's no way on God's green earth. Me and you cannot be together. No, I didn't mean it. I said out of anger. You said it with your whole bird chest. I said, I looked at my cousin. I said, listen. I don't want to be with this man. I want a divorce. Please get my divorce from him. Lima had decided that her and Brooklyn are going to get a divorce. But Brooklyn was extremely reluctant to give it to her. He was like, I'm not giving you a divorce. I don't care. And so Lima had to take her fate in her own hands. And so she went to an imam, explained her situation, and explained that he had abandoned her rights. One case being... He hadn't provided for her for over six months. Islamically, um, in terms of like a woman seeking her divorces, if a man is neglected of your rights, you can go to an imam, um, like share what he has done, and then they can grant you your divorce. Um, And so that's how Lima got divorced. Lima was determined to leave her past in the past. She decided that I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to do my eat, pray, love. I'm going to find myself. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to get some perspective. Leave Toronto, you know? Leave all of those tough, tough memories behind. And Lima went everywhere. You know what? Now that I think back on it, like, I really use traveling as, like, a defense mechanism. Like, okay, so when you're in Toronto, it feels like... All eyes are on you, especially if something happens with you. And you know our community, like it's it's there's a lot of Somali people here, but it just feels like it's it's a small world, you know? Mm-hmm. But when you travel and you leave and you see people outside of your regular like, you know, life, you feel like so small in this big wide world. Instead of feeling so big and there's like a giant like stamp on your forehead saying, I I failed at, you know, marriage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's why I, I kind of like fell in love with traveling because I just felt like I'm so small in this big ginormous world. And while you think you might be thinking right now the saga of Brooklyn ends here, it does not. Brooklyn does the unthinkable. What they got, what the, something inside of me said, if you choose to divorce, because God doesn't, you know, God, God does, doesn't like divorce is what I'm saying to myself. Be amicable. If you choose to separate, separate in peace. That's what I was saying to myself. Separate in peace, separate in pe- peace, you know? So I'm thinking, he's older than me, mind you. So I'm thinking, okay, he's going to be amicable too. Nope. So one day I get a phone call. This is while I'm back in the scene. A cell phone that I got for him. I think it was eight. He ran the bill up to $2,000. Oh, my God. The one under your name? Mm-hmm. I canceled it. Right? Ugh. This is my husband. He knows my birthday. He knows my social insurance number. Excuse me? Yep. 
Don't tell me you're about to take this where I think you're going to take it. <laughs> don't tell me. Don't tell me that you got robbed. Girl, he robbed me blind. Oh. That's not even the worst part. It, it's over. <laughs> it's over. It's not even the worst part. Jonathan, cut the recording. I can't. I actually can't do with this. That's not even the worst God. part. What's the worst part? I had a credit card. Oh, my God. I thought I took it back, right? This guy spent $14,000. Hezbiallahu wa ni'ma wakil. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. $14,000? Yeah, because my limit was twenty. When he also rounded up $2,000 from the phone? Yep. That's fourteen, fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. He took from you. Mm-hmm. Girl, did, did, was he also now in the in the tra- in the garbage bag? Like that's what I'm trying to say. No, here's they, a, they, I didn't tell a single soul. You didn't tell anybody. No, because I'm still. I'm like, listen. Oh I was under the girl. I don't know how I got through it with with the. How like I don't know. Like all I knew is I kept talking to Allah and I said, Allah, please give me the strength. I don't want to be spiteful. I cause I was ready to like throw like bricks through his 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 mama house. Subhanallah. Uh-huh. So when you found out he took sixteen thousand dollars, what did you do next? I sat there and I broke down. I don't cry in front of people. That's one thing, like, I'm working on it. But that's one thing I don't like to do. I don't like people to see me be vulnerable. I don't like people to see me cry. I sat in my room and cried. I said I never did a single thing to this man. Not a single thing. Right? (sighs) This is a year after our divorce, and I'm finding all of these things out. Right? Mm -hmm. What do I do? I run away again. I travel. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the last horrible thing that he did, and then like the, like he doesn't deserve any more airtime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I found out through a really good friend of mine. Remember the old really good friend I was telling you about? Yeah. He had relationships with he had a relationship with her throughout our whole entire marriage. The one that bought you the that helped that him buy the ring. Shopping with him. You're freaking lying. You're lying on everything. I am not. That man was he was messing with the girl that bought you your ring that didn't fit. And I just the girl that that did all of that. That was Mm -hmm. your good friend was Mm -hmm. messing with your husband the the, whole entire entire, time. The one that didn't show up to your nikah. She didn't show up to my nikah, but she sure sat up in my house. Wow. She sure sat up and gave me therapy. Trust issues on top of trust issues oh on top of like God, why? Oh my, she was in your house. She was in my house, giving you advice. Yeah, about your man that she's also messing with. Mm-hmm. Cut, cut the cord. Cut the noises. That's, that's over. I Anyways. am flabbergasted by the audacity of these people. Girl, you gotta go through something in order to grow through no, something. No, no, right? this sounds like a a, a, a Tyler Perry. A black movie on BT that people barely watch. I don't know. But here's this the thing: I found, I found all, I found that stuff out. Like I was done with him, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't care. Like I was like, it was messed up, yes. But I found this. Thank God, I did. Like somehow, some way, Allah protected me mm-hmm. to where I didn't find that out when I was extremely when I broke down and said when I like the the robbing me was yeah, enough. It was enough. 
right? Yeah. The stalking me was was the issue, mm-hmm. right? But I was like, regardless, I'm like, I'm gonna maintain grace. I'm gonna maintain grace. I had a good job, alhamdulillah. I'm st- like, where I paid, like, I'm still paying it off to this day, but <laughs> where I was able to pay off those things. And my mom was telling me, had you not had this job, right? And he's doing all this stuff to you and you're finding about it now? Like Allah is still helping you. The thing is, is like, had I not gone through the experiences that I went through with my ex-husband, there was no way I was I would have met my current husband. Like the love of my life. Don't tell me I said that. <laughs> I'll try but, not to. <laughs> it's on a whole podcast. <laughs> but um, talk about proclamation, right? <laughs> so, the first city I went to, I met somebody. Like me and my friends met. So I went the first city I went to. I met um, these people that were from New Orleans. So I said, you know what? I don't know why on God's green earth I decided to go to that Yeah, that New place. Orleans. So random. It's so random. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I don't suggest anybody goes there that's Muslim because it just isn't, <laughs> it just isn't it. Like, I, I remember staying in my hotel saying like, this place is the devil's playground. Like, I was like, and I was so ignorant because I, I was like, oh, it's New Orleans, you know? Like, I'm not going during... Um, what is it? What's that thing called that they do? Mardi Gras. I'm like, I'm not mm. going to Mardi Gras. Like, I'm gonna. I wanted to go see like the architecture, and I wanted to see Museums like museums and the, the history. Mu- the Cause history. Cause there's, there's a, a lot of history there. There's a lot of dark history there. Yes. You know, very a lot of tragedy. Like we went yeah. to the Mississippi River, and mm-hmm. that's where a lot of slaves were thrown from boats and they drowned. So there's so many bodies in that river alone. So. You know, it was something where I just wanted to understand, like, the the black struggle, you Mm -hmm. know? So, and... We don't get that in Canada, like, that kind of education. No. Mm -mm. No, we don't. And that's something that I I honed in on. So, charity was one of the things that kind of, like, um, healed my heart. So, whenever I would go to the States, I would, you know, I would, I would... I would go to boys and girls clubs. I would mm. I would do charity and things like that. So I just wanted to understand the black struggle because I was like, I could yell Black Lives Matter, you know, all day long, but I want to know what it feels like being black in America, mm-hmm. right? Because in Canada, we're in a bubble. We don't, like, we don't recognize, like, microaggressions and things like that. I don't mean to talk about this. I know we're on a, <laughs> we're on a topic, but... So I go to New Orleans. Um, one of the nights that I, I go out, you know, we're just, we're walking, you know, looking at the, uh, we're, I think we're on uh, Bourbon Street. So it's in the French Quarter. And it was like really late. It was like three o'clock in the morning. And we're just like walking around. And then I see this tall, light-skinned, light-colored man, <laughs> light-colored eyes. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you know, I saw he was wearing shoes that lit up, like LED shoes. Oh, no, he did not. I swear to God, he's a nerd. <laughs> so... <laughs> He was wearing these LED shoes, and then one of my friends noticed, and she was like, she like ran up to him and like started tapping his shoes. It's like, hey, why is only one shoe lit? Because he only had one shoe lit. <laughs> and I'm just like, is that like a, is that like a thing? Like is that intentional? You know how Nelly used to wear the bandaid. I'm like, yeah. maybe it's like a, maybe it's like one of those like I don't know Americans. <laughs> you never know how they roll. So and then um, 
So then I go up to him. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, my friend's tapping your shoe. And like, he like looked at me and I was like, and I looked at him and he was like, oh, where are you from? The baritoneness in his voice. Mm. Like, I was like, sir? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Hi, sir. And then he said where he was from. He's some from the Midwest somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh. He's like, he's like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, oh, from Toronto, blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, Drakeland. And I was like, Psh. Or did he say Drakeland? Yeah, he said Drakeland. And then I was like, oh, whatever. And then he's like, okay, let me, you know, he's like, oh, you're a girl. Let me let me walk you back to your hotel because there's a lot of, like, crazy people, which is true. There is. Mm. And then I was like, oh, but, you know, like, we're hungry. We're going to go to IHOP. And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll come. I was like, who, who, invited, who invited this guy? <laughs> who invited this man? Harpo, who is this man? I don't know. <laughs> and he was man. by himself. Oh. Which I was like, you're a serial killer. <laughs> like. He's yeah. definitely giving serial killer vibes. He was. At three in like, the morning I with wish, one shoe lit. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. I wish, like, so we went to IHOP. I wish you could hear his laugh is very, like, um, robotic. Like, the way that he laughs. Okay, do that. <laughs> no, I swear to God. He will, say, he will say that. Like, his laugh was so robotic. And I realized. Like later on, knowing him, that's a fake laugh. But like, like, like when you see a robotic, like, haha. Yeah, and it was like, like he, he. I was looking at him, like, what is like, you know? Uh, that would have been enough for me to say, um, thank you, uh, sir. Appreciate you. Uh, and we gotta go. He was so funny though. Mm. That's the thing that I was just like, this guy is hilarious. Even oh. though you're giving me serial killer vibes, <laughs> and then, um. He gave me a card. He's like, yeah, this is my social. I'm like, who gives out a card? Like, that's his what? contact information? This is like 20. Yeah, he had his contact information on there. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, who has like a, like a card? <laughs> like, this man is about his business. He, it just felt very like, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. So I added him on Snapchat. And then he started talking to me. And I'm like, listen, sir, I'm not looking for a relationship. Um, FYI, you know, mm-hmm. I I don't want to ever get married. I don't ever want to have kids. Like, I was, like, very upfront about everything. Your trauma from before is jumping. It's, she was like, she came out and was like, hello, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> trauma enters the room. Mm-hmm. We are not looking to get married or have babies. It's me and my cat. This is merely a conversation. Yeah, that was literally it. <laughs> so we talked on Snapchat every day for a year. Wow. Yeah, we were just friends. Mm-hmm. Like so he was he was he was seeing somebody else mm-hmm. and I like I was like, you know me, I was just I was just on my journey, mm-hmm. you know? And he would always tell me this is one thing that I was just kind of like, hmm. He'd always tell me, like, whenever I would talk to him, he's like, hey, hey, I prayed for you. I said, excuse me? He's like, yeah, I'm Muslim. I said, what? What? Yeah, I was like, huh? Plot twist? That was the plot twist of my life. Oh, my God. It took me a year to find that out. Because I was just like, oh, it's just a friend, whatever. You know, you're just. So that really kirked your head. I was like, this because man you know for why, me. You know why it might have shocked you even then, too? Because this whole time you didn't think he was Muslim. No, I didn't. Meaning he didn't have a, a chance. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A tra- not a snowball. And not a snowball in chance in hell. And then he tells you, I'm Muslim. Like, oh, oh, we can't stop. We can't stop talking. <laughs> no. So I was just like, 
I said, excuse me? Yeah. He said, yeah. I said, ain't no way. <laughs> so I said, random. A, that it, was, it came up so random in conversation. I said, how long have you been Muslim for? He's like, oh, three years. And I said, oh. I was like, hmm. hmm. Okay, you know, brother. Akhi. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. In Islam. Yeah. But then it, it like blew my mind how much knowledge he encompassed in only three years. Wow. That's the thing that blew my mind. Where I was just like, you know, I was somebody where my mom always taught me about the religion, but she did it in a way where when we were kids, mm-hmm. she would read us bedtime stories. And I found out like later on in life, when I started reading the Quran, I said, wait, <laughs> no, I'm, I swear to you. I was Don't like, tell wait. me that the stories of Baqarah were like, I thought that was a bedtime story. Yes. But that's how I literally <laughs> had that. Like, I was like, you know, because I was like. Wait, hold up. Oh. <laughs> That's so cute. I literally went to my mom and I was like, ma'am, <laughs> explain thyself. <laughs> but honestly, like that is a beautiful way of teaching children. Mm. And that's something that I, I like took and was like, yes, this is, this is how I'm going to do things. So in my teens, I always equated everything with the religion with hijab. Mm. So I was like, okay, so if I start praying, that means I have to dress more modestly. And if I dress more modestly, then, you know, fashion is a huge thing for me. And that's how I express myself. I was like, it's going to hold my, like, I won't be able to express myself if I'm wearing all black. Mm -hmm. And that's something I thought about, you know, Mm -hmm. like if I'm wearing like, you know, uh, a jilbab or, you know, that's how I looked at modesty was like jilbab. And I looked at the way my mother dressed. And I was like, okay, if I if I choose to, you know, do all of these things, then I'd have to dress like my mother. And I wouldn't be able to, like, express myself because, like, again, like, fashion, coloring my hair different colors, and doing all of these things was a way where I expressed myself and I rebelled against, like, the norm. Mm-hmm. So I thought it would hold me back. Mm-hmm. The whole time God had a plan for me. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling myself, like, okay, saying my name, my own name. I was like, you know, there's there's only so far God is going to pull your rope. Like, there's only so far that your rope will go before it's cut. And then, you know, by then it's too late. And then I'd be like, you're not guaranteed your next breath, you know? So then I just kept going back and forth. And then in my teens, I just felt like I was just lost. Like, I was really lost. Like, I knew so much about the dean because my mother taught me. And I was like, man, every day that I walk, I'm getting punished more and more because the more knowledge you know. The more you're going to be accounted for. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. I can't blame ignorance. I can't blame any of those things. So, like, I wasn't practicing, but, but faith was something I held on to, mm-hmm. which sounds strange, but I still would would sit there and talk to Allah and you know, be like, oh, like, you know, it's, like, I need a way mm-hmm. so I could, because my whole thing is, like, I don't want to start, then stop, then start, then stop. And nobody was telling me, like, oh, yeah, it's okay not to be perfect. Because mm-hmm. I equated being, practicing to perfection. Perfection. To ihsan. I think yeah. ihsan means perfection. Yeah. yeah. That's what I equated it to. So I'm like, I'm not going to be perfect. I have all these things that are wrong about me. You know, it's like, how am I going to be able to... um you know, pray five times a day because when you start to pray, those prayers revolve around your day, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 
And that's something I remember, like, my mom and, like, you know, my siblings would say, like, because my siblings were were practicing and I wasn't. I was, like, the black sheep, mm-hmm. you know? My sisters always wore hijab and things like that. And I just was, like, the black sheep. And my mom would always be, like, oh, this girl, what do I need to do? And so my so that's where I was practicing-wise. Even Even after my marriage, I still wasn't. I got closer to Allah, but, like, the practicing aspect, I was like, if I start, then stop, it's going to be an issue. I still didn't have anybody explain to me that you don't need to be perfect. So that was, like, my main issue because I was saying, like, you need to be perfect. You need to pray five times a day. You need to, you know, wear hijab, wear jilbab. Like, you need to, like, you know, wear gloves on your hands so nobody sees your hands. You need to cover your ankles. You need to do all of these things. So to me, it's like I always equated the religion or perfection. Mm-hmm. knowing that human and then it's like when my husband was talking to me and I was telling him these things he's like do you understand that human beings are not perfect did you ever stop and think that you know nobody's perfect and I was like yeah but you need to you need to pray five times a day you need to do all these things and mm-hmm. you know he's like if that was the case that Allah would have made us all perfect mm-hmm. you know what would what would be the purpose what would be the purpose for us if we were yeah. if we were made perfect if we were made to be like perfect right what's the po- what's the point yeah even allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that um if everyone was like perfect and did the right thing that he would replace us with sinners exactly and that, and and that's something that i i always loved when i heard it for the first time because um, it, it, it helped me acknowledge my imperfection. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Way, the way that, especially me, I can only speak for my, the way that I was taught Islam is from a place of perfection. Like, there are all of these things and you have to hit them. And if you don't, then you're not. And, and these are tricks of shaitan, right? He, he wants you to blow out quickly. Um, and in reality, it's just about choosing Allah every day. Exactly. Choosing him, choosing him, choosing him. When you fall, you, you get back up, you choose him again. Um, and it's just like this this, this journey. Um, but no, it's this religion isn't for the perfect. No, it really and <laughs> it's not. It's really not for the perfect, bro. And I and I just want and I want that to ring true to anybody that's listening. This religion isn't for the perfect. This is for the one that is down, the one that is struggling. This is the one that feels like everything is weighed on their shoulders. This is meant to relieve you. You know what I'm saying? And like, and I wish I heard it when I was still young. Me too. Because. Uh, Sorry. No, it's okay. I'm not going to cry. Girl, we, we all cry <laughs> out here. <laughs> no, I'm not. Let, let me tell you, it's our brand. Okay? <laughs> it, it's crying and laughing. It's Cry just the way we. Later. It, <laughs> exactly. So we're, don't be afraid to show emotion here because Ooh. it's real life what we're talking about. You know, it's no. real life. And many of us share, share have very shared experiences in this. And like, I'm telling you, if I if I knew that lesson, I would have I would have probably been far more far far more log, uh, god conscious bef- like longer mm-hmm. like you know, i would have did this earlier if i had just 100%. known that if i just known that like come as i am yes. like you know come as i am and just strive strive to be the best and that's okay just as we strive in our careers just as we strive in our endeavors mm-hmm. we strive in this too and it's just at the time, I just felt like, yo, you, you're not with it. Sit on the bench. Yeah, basically yeah, sit on the bench. Sit on the bench and, and just watch and feel guilty. 
mm-hmm. you know that you you can't keep up the guilt the weight of the guilt mm-hmm. that's the part that i was like you know the weight of the guilt was just so unbearable it was crippling it was crippling and i remember just saying like allah please don't let me leave this earth until you are pleased with me because i used to i would fear death mm-hmm. because obviously i wasn't prepared for it and i don't know why it just it's something that just i kept like like thinking about it's like okay you're gonna leave this earth and you're not you're not practicing you're not doing all of these things because i would look at people like my sisters i would look at people like my brothers i would look at you know people in the message they'd be like wow they're so religious they're so perfect you know mm-hmm. and then i remember like my husband would say to me he was like before we were married he was like you know all you have to do is just start praying and then things will fall into place just start praying just start with that you know, because mm-hmm. the first thing you're asked about, you know, is salah. Mm-hmm. So he was like, just start praying and then everything will fall into place. And I kind of just ignored him. I was like, okay, whatever, dude. You know, <laughs> so whatever. Because I just was like, you know, like I was very like um, stubborn. Mm-hmm. So then out of nowhere, like my mom uh, was like, hey, you know, I gifted all of all of my kids with, with umrah. I'm gonna gift you umrah. Oh, your mom gave you yeah. gifted you umrah. Yeah, that is so amazing. And the thing is, is she's gone so many times. Yeah, and she always tells me every time I go there, I make dua for you, like all the time. You know, I just want oh you God. to, you know, I just want you to, to, like you know, have peace and you know, practice and things like that. Mm-hmm. So in my and then this is where the shadan comes in, and I was just like. Oh my God! If you go to Umrah, you can't come back and mess around. Like you gotta come back. Yeah, it's, job. You gotta... yeah. it's like it's kind of like you you go there, come back, transform. That's mm-hmm. the whole, s- and that's again, yeah. I don't know where this comes from. I have right? No idea that when you go to Umrah and you come back, you cannot be a sinner. No, you can't. And that's it's literally, and it, it blows my mind because we're inherently we sinners. This? I don't know. It's just like because it's. I think we confuse it with the whole sense of like, okay, we go there where. We're really like trying to mend our affairs there, right? And come back reformed. And I think we're, I think in in essence, it's a it's a good thing. I think it means well. Like we're trying to change our ways, but then that doesn't also mean that you don't ease on, you don't you don't give yourself mercy when you do fall. You know what I'm saying? True. That doesn't mean that you are hard on yourself when you, you know, struggle like that. You, that's not what that's about. You have to be as merciful as, as Allah is to you. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? With the way, with the things that you struggle. Remember, you go in there, you strive, and when you fall, you get back up. But it's like, I, I've seen this time again where people go to Umrah, they come back, they try so hard, and then they, 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 they fall off. Because, you know, there's also this element of just doing things too fast at a, and not being conscious. You know what I'm saying? Of like, okay, the best deeds are the ones that are consistent. Let me be consistent. Yeah. Let me build. You know, let me build my Iman. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Let me build, let me create something sturdy. You know what I'm saying? But then you just, you get on this high and you just, and then you see people fizzle out. Mm-hmm. You see people burn out. And um, and and then they and then they feel guilty even worse. And yep. then it's a hole. And then they get into a spiral and they completely like give up and they completely fall off. And they, and then all of a sudden they're in despair. And I just was, mm-hmm. I just wish they just knew that this is not a, this is not a race. No. This is a marathon. This is and a long one. Where do we get the thing that it's a race? 
everything know. needs to be done like right away like yeah. we need to pray every every single day on time you know you can't be a second late and we we know like we think that Jannah is a race like mm. a rat race basically mm-hmm. That makes yeah. sense. I mean, you know, the thing is, is that we're all striving. I think it's about doing things and and being consistent and being sincere about it. Mm-hmm. And when you fall, having mercy. We Have don't mercy. give ourselves enough mercy. We don't. We are so ruthless. And I think that, like Subhanallah, it's a little devastating to see because Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is so compassionate. You know, and he, he says it numerous times that he forgives all sins mm-hmm. all He's the time. He's more merciful with his slaves yeah. than a mother is to her child. I, Can just, you imagine that type of mercy? That's what I'm trying to say. Like, think about that. That's like, it's I, like... It's blind, it's mind-blowing. You know, uh, my my favorite example of Allah's mercy, like a reflection, what? is when I was learning about the story of Musa alayhi salam. Oh. And um, Fir'aun was finally beaten <laughs> like he he lost uh-huh. and he was in the bottom of the like he was he, he had, was drowning in the water and um and obviously the the war the fight is over right yeah but subhanallah jibreel salam went in the water after him okay after the whole thing is over the buckle's over he went into the water and he put sand in pharaoh's mouth and when he was asked why did you do that he was like, I was afraid that he would re- basically repent, that he would ask for Allah's forgiveness, and that Allah would forgive him. Oh. And we're talking about Fir'aun. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know the magnitude of Fir'aun's Most like action, person. <laughs> his actions, bro, yeah. and for Jabril salam to be afraid that Fir'aun mm-hmm. himself would receive the mercy of Allah. First of all, nobody knows Allah SWT better than Jibreel. If somebody had to know Allah SWT, it's Jibreel. Yep. You know, because Jibreel was the messenger. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So with that, when I just saw how Jibreel reacted to that fear, I was like, subhanAllah, look how Allah, look how merciful Allah SWT is. Jibreel knew that was a, a high possibility yep. he would forgive him. And Fir'aun has done everything from murder Right, yeah, he has done evil. You evil you of. can think of. Just think about what he did to his wife. His wife. Oh. Uh, what what he did to children. Mm-hmm. He killed numerous children. You know what I'm saying? Like Fir'aun was the bottom of the barrel, and mm-hmm. Jabril was afraid he would reach Allah's mercy, and so he put sand in his mouth. And so every time that I feel like I I I fall and I uh, I think, oh my God, I can't. I I'm, maybe I'm, I can't do this. I remind myself that. I what's available for me is that kind of mercy. Yes. And so I have to have that kind of mercy for myself at this moment. I don't know why I'm getting emotional. Don't do this <laughs> to me. You know what? I'm very happy that you know that you shared that because had I like you know heard that I could just imagine how much it's going to do for people. Mhm. They'll do a lot of the I know. May I just, Allah grant you the highest of heavens. I mean, yeah, no, no, it's it's to me, it's a reminder for myself. Yeah. Mostly, you know, everything I say is like a reminder for myself because I'm in a studio in the dark, okay, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just you and me, and and you know, um, but I, 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 rem- I those were the things I held on to at the beginning mm-hmm. of this journey. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the things that I held on to at the beginning of this journey, right? When I started becoming God conscious at 20 mm-hmm. was I needed to hear about Allah's mercy because I didn't provide that availability for my own self, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so it's it's something to remind, you know, um, mankind is often. And, and, and that's the reason why Allah talks about his, his mercy 
more times than he ever talks about his punishment in the Quran. I, I, um, you know, and he, and there's a reason for it because <laughs> as humans, he knows the best, you know. And some of us can't even fathom that. So uh, I'll go to, I'll, yeah, I'll talk so. about the Umrah experience. So to go ahead, get so, into Umrah. So I was saying to myself, like, I, I, I can't go. And then my husband was like, please just go. This is an opportunity that a lot of people on this earth don't get. Can you believe there's people on this earth that will never see the Kaaba? They'll never see, like, that will never feel the peace of Medina. Mm-hmm. That will never be in Mecca and see, like, you know, the see, like, just, uh, I, I, sorry. It's just, you know, and I, I didn't, I didn't realize all of those things. Because he's just like, listen, when you go to Umrah, you're a guest of Allah. You know? And I was, so he just kept pushing, he kept pushing, and he said, and you know what, like, when you come back, we're going to have our nikah. What? Yeah. In every Disney rom-com film you can think of, we only know up until the wedding day. The That is the happily ever after. Rarely do we ever get to hear love stories after the happily ever after. And so in part two, Lima talks about her love. Does she stay happy? Does Allah test them again? Does love test Lima again? Find out next week. See you then, guys. Love Temper continues. Okay, um, this episode is brought to you by Beautiful Light Studios. Um, shout out to Munisha Umar, my producer, for producing this lovely episode. Sis never misses. She brings us that content every Friday, and we love you for it. Um, also, shout out to... Sima for our digital print images that you guys see and know and love. Shout out to Sima. Jazakallah khair for your wonderful talents. And yeah, I will see you guys. Not see you guys. I will be with y'all in your ear, in your speaker next week. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.